Self-promotion alert incoming. If you've listened to the show before, you know I have a tendency to balance multiple projects at once. Go ahead and get out a notepad because it gets a little complicated. Beyond this show, I've got a second podcast, Sports Are Dumb, a show for people who love and hate sports. We just had a new episode yesterday about the scary situations in sports. My co-host Sean picked more on the field types of things. Mine were navigating concession stands. And uh, well, I don't want to spoil all of it. So you check that out too. Sports Are Dumb. It's like Toys R Us with a fun little R in the middle. I've also got a newsletter, Chris Bounce Pass, on the lighter side of basketball. Fun Fact Friday is a newsletter for curious people. Fat Foodies, PHs, all around PH Fat, PH Foodies, is my guide to Austin dining and nostalgic food commercials. And I have a band, Burning Years, that will hit you right in the feels. I like to tell people it's their favorite music from high school. But then I told someone that who then told me they were 22. And I wept for several minutes. And that's on top of a full-time job with a communications agency and a freelance writing career that's covered everything from pun competitions to how the airline industry is embracing cloud computing to the rise of Among Us a couple of years ago. Did you play that one during the pandemic? I sure as heck did. And I was so good at snuffing out the imposters. Marika Flat is cut from a similar cloth, although notably we are both people and not fabrics. She's the founder of PR by the Book, which helps authors get their works noticed. She's the travel editor of Texas Lifestyle Magazine, teaching you all that's great in the Lone Star State. And she regularly makes appearances on TV to share travel tips so your next trip is your best one yet. There's a lot more to cover, but I don't want to spoil it all. That's why you listen to the episode. I'm Joey Held. This is Good People, Cool Things. And here's my conversation with Marika Flat. To kick things off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch and then the type of elevator that we're riding on? So my name is Marika Flat. I am the travel editor of Texas Lifestyle Magazine, among other things. And um, I would say we are riding on a very fast elevator that um, sometimes we all want to just slow down a little bit. I actually listened to a really interesting webinar this morning on slow travel. Oh, it's a trend. I like that. Slow in the sense of like when you're traveling to like be more relaxed or like the actual art of like you're on a choose it like a slower train or something. It's all about spending more time in a location so that you can meet the people there. Um, you can learn the history. You can really um, spend time um, learning like the culture and the food. And um, and it's really also about sustainability. It's about, you know, leaving less of a footprint. So for instance, walking or biking to see the town, which I love to do versus renting a car or taking a bus or something like that. So yeah, it's, that's a basic concept. Yes. I'm a big fan of walking in, especially mm-hmm. in foreign places. I mean, ideally like we're both in Texas, mm-hmm. sometimes difficult to walk with how hot it is, but uh, right. like earlier this year I was in Europe and just there'd be, you know, something would be like a mile and a half away. And I'm like, I can walk to that. Like that's, that's same. Great. And then you, you 
mm-hmm. you know, find, walk by something where you're like, oh, I want to check that out too. And it was, mm-hmm. yes, I very much, I, I would have enjoyed that webinar as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if I look back on the trips that I've taken, the ones that I enjoy the most are the ones that there's not a super packed itinerary that I can really um, just explore on my own with my own time and not feel like I'm jumping from one thing to another because um, those trips, those press trips can be exhausting for one thing. Um, But also you're not really, you don't have time embedded to just discover, you know, some of the, the coolest things that I love to talk about in my travel writing are the things that I just stumble upon that they aren't even planned. Yes. Okay. I was going to ask this later, but let's get into it right now. What's one of these cool things that you've stumbled upon? Yeah. So um, I I have had the, the privilege of um, seeing lots of different places. And I thought I could just narrow it down to this year because I've been travel writing for 21 years now. And so when people say, oh, what are your top places that you've ever been to? That's really tough to answer. So if I narrow it down to 2023, it's much more, <laughs> uh, it's much more realistic. So uh, because I've been to some fantastic places this year. Um, and the first place is in the U.S. Um, I actually have been thinking about three places to talk about. Um, they're all in different countries, Love but, <laughs> um, Santa Barbara, California was on my radar screen for a long time because I love wine and I've done a couple of articles in other, um, parts of wine country and people would always say, Oh, have you been to Santa Barbara? You need to check out the wine scene there. And, um, I finally got to go in July and it was fabulous. It was everything I expected it to be, but I didn't have these elevated expectations. Um, I hadn't really thought of what I was necessarily expecting to find there, but it's just, it's a beautiful area. You know, it's coastal, um, but they've got mountains and um, it's it's like the Spanish colonial architecture. Mm, so everything's the whitewashed <laughs> buildings. Yeah. And, um, Joey, you will appreciate this because you were also in Texas, but I went in July and the temperatures were in the like low 80s. Oh, when I was what there. a dream. What a dream. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful because here in Texas, when I left, it was like 105 maybe. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a difference in 20 to 25 degrees cooler. So <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> it was pretty fantastic. And there is a reason people move from Hollywood to the Santa Barbara area. You know, the rich and the famous with mm-hmm. lots and lots of money. Um, there's a suburb of Santa Barbara called Montecito. And homes, they're, they're homes owned by like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and <laughs> Oprah and, you know, lots of celebrities that can basically live anywhere they want to live. And, uh, and this area is just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I have a friend who actually moved from Austin to Santa Barbara and oh, wow. I'll just see pictures sometimes. And I'm like, you made a, not a bad choice. Like I, I mm-hmm. love living out here, but sometimes mm-hmm. there's other places where I'm like, okay, that also looks nice. <laughs> yes. 
And talk about being able to walk around or bike. I mean, that's all we did while we were there. I took my my daughter, um, she's my oldest, and we uh, took bikes on the Cabrillo bike path. We walked through their little downtown area and because we were just soaking up the temperatures, you know, it was so nice and, and we got to see a lot and we were not, you know, we had no, no touristy footprint that we were leaving. <laughs> That's always, it always feels like a little more of a reward when you, when you do that, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I am off the beaten path. Like, this is very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it was just a wonderful place. And I'll go back in 2024. I'm already sure that I will go back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you said you've been writing for 21 years. Do you remember the first thing that you wrote? I absolutely do. So I um, had not really thought of myself as a travel writer. I had always considered myself a journalist to some degree. I took a lot of journalism in college when I was in college, my plan was to go into TV broadcasting. And so for that, you need a lot of journalism. And when I got out of college, I found myself in a career um, for book publicity. So of course, you do a little bit of writing with book publicity, um, but you're not writing creatively like you do with a magazine. You're writing press materials, which are a little bit more confined. So I had a dear friend who I was still dear friends with. Um, We actually went on a walk down um, on the Lady Bird Trail. And she said, there's a new magazine coming to town. They're looking for writers. And I can connect you with the new editor. And so I got connected with the editor of the brand new Austin Woman magazine at the time. So um, she was looking for writers and really wanted to know, you know, what beats are you interested in? And I said, I have a trip planned coming up. I'm actually going to my brother's destination wedding um, at Hawks K um, down in the Florida Keys. And um, can I write an article about it? And she said, absolutely. That sounds wonderful. And so, um, yeah, uh, that was the first article I wrote. And that was September of... um, 2001. No. 2002. Sorry. 2002. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. That's actually what a what a small word. I don't think this was the first thing I wrote, but in college, I went to the University of Miami and one of my college writing things that I believe got published in for sure the newspaper and maybe even in like a campus magazine or something was just exploring the people who go fishing in the Florida Keys all the times, like just kind of went, just had a friend drive me down and I'd get out of the car and chat with people for a little bit. And we went to like four or five different locations. One of the the boat folks um, that, that, you know, they have like all those boat, just like go mm-hmm. out on the water sort of places. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was like fascinating to me as someone yeah. who I, I don't even think I've gone fishing once. I think, I was on a family vacation and we saw a bunch of fish in the water and we're like, oh, we should go fishing. And then never, <laughs> never actually did. Um, but just that's as close as you got yeah, I was just like, to ah, fishing. Maybe once, once I tried mm-hmm. to like reach in and like grab a fish. I guess I've been to aquariums, so I can, I can say I've interacted with fish, but certainly not to, to that level or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I mean, that's, that's, I think the, 
at least for me, I'm sure as someone mm-hmm. with extensively more travel experience that that's one of the perks of it too, is getting to talk to all these people that you probably yes. wouldn't have otherwise. I will tell you that one of my favorite things about travel writing is meeting new people. I love to meet new people. I'm just outgoing. I love, I'm just kind of a connector by nature. And, um, I, it would be so fun to just journal about specific people I've met, um, in my travels because a lot of them I still keep in touch with. And, you know, social media makes that really, um, easy nowadays. So I've met, um, not only other journalists on group press trips that I've become lasting friends with, um, but, just the random people that you just run into and and you just spark up a conversation. And, um, you know, I just like, for instance, I was in London in 2019 and um, waiting to go to an event and just popped into a pub and met, you know, it was crowded. So um, there were, there were, it was a couple at, a table. And I said, can we just, can we stand here at the other end of the table? And they were such an interesting couple and they were so fascinated by Austin. They had never been to Texas. They asked lots and lots of questions and we just had a ball just getting to know this couple. And, um, they are not somebody that I kept in touch with afterwards. But when I think of that night, I think of how fun it was to just stumble upon them, make a couple of new friends, um, and just hear about where they were from and talk about Austin, because I don't know if this happens to you when you're out and about, but when I tell people I'm from Austin, they either say, I've been there and I love it, or um, I haven't been there, but I've heard so much about it. It's on my my list of places to go. Um, one of those too, is usually the response that I get um, because everybody's heard about Austin or, you know, knows knows about Austin. So, yeah, that was fun. But I just I do really love that. And when we were talking about that slow travel movement, um, that is one of the key aspects is that you can slow down enough to spark up a conversation, you know, just um, you're at a restaurant or um, you're sitting in a fountain in the middle of some city and you're just talking to the person sitting next to you. And so, yeah, I, I really love that. And, uh, it's kind of fun because usually when I travel, I'm able to take a plus one with me unless it's a group press trip. And in which case I'm just arriving and I'm joining a group of other journalists. Mm -hmm. But if I'm traveling on an individual basis, I can take a plus one. And it's fun because I have certain travel partners who are more likely to go along that thread with me and meet new people than others. And so, you know, those trips are really fun because uh, if you have somebody traveling with you that also feels that way and really enjoys talking to to strangers, <laughs> then that can be really fun too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's it can really like almost change the entire... Uh, vibe of the trip of like if you because if you're with I mean I don't know why you'd travel with someone that's like 
close-minded and doesn't want to do things like I'd probably just pick someone yeah. else but right. but you you never know sometimes it might be your first trip with some someone or something right. and I, I think that's mm-hmm. you know when I look back and even even just on like nights out around town if I look back mm-hmm. on something I'm like oh yeah like the group I was with was so good or like the person I was with really mm-hmm. added to that experience and I think mm-hmm. you know obviously the the alternate uh, or the opposite can be true as well and that's mm-hmm. something I always also like to discuss when I have musicians on the show. I like to ask them about their worst gigs. As a frequent traveler, what's your worst travel story? I'll I'll be transparent and say uh, tomorrow I might think of something worse. <laughs> but what's what's coming to mind um, is that in February of 2022. I was going to Florence, Italy with my husband for our anniversary trip. And what was meant to be three legs to get to Florence um, ended up getting kind of moved around. And we ended up um, going up to JFK for the first leg. So Austin to JFK. And then we were going JFK to Amsterdam. But there was a medical emergency on the flight. And once we were out over the Atlantic, we ended up turning around and landing in Boston. And we ended up staying on the tarmac for a few hours, which got us to Amsterdam uh, too late to catch uh, the flight. And then that ended up, we had to redirect and ended up going then to Paris and then to Florence. And I don't sleep well on planes. So international travel for me is usually watching movies. Mm-hmm. And so I was just bugged out at the end of that. I think it ended up being 27 hours Oof. of travel. And that was rough. Um, and on the way back from that same trip, do you agree that some planes are have much less room than others right oh, yeah. it doesn't even 100%, it doesn't yeah. even matter if you, you know i don't i don't fly you know the best seats i usually am getting the best deal on um, travel and i always i'm an aisle seat girly so i always try to get the aisle seat and on this particular flight which was um amsterdam back to the states i was in a window seat And I really felt very claustrophobic and I'm not normally a claustrophobic person, but I remember looking up on the screen and it said, you know, how much flight time is left. And it said something like nine hours and 23 minutes. And I really had to do some mind work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to really, I'm, I'm really going to work my mindset here. I'm, I'm, I could do this. I could do. But it was not the most comfortable experience coming back. And now that I've had that experience, I think I'm really going to make sure that I get an aisle seat for international travel. I don't have to have an exit row. I certainly don't have to fly first class. I really also am not very keen on getting stuck over in the window for, you know, 10 hours um, with no, no breathing room. So that's the first one that comes to mind. Um, I also can remember uh, a 
You know, most of my most of my stories will relate to problems with airline flight. So either cancellations or delays. Um, and and I can think of the other the other one that that comes to mind is my very first flight after all the COVID um happened. I didn't fly until August of 2021 after lockdown and things like that. I mainly was doing coverage of, you know, road trips and within Texas and um, didn't have the best experience on that first flight, which was actually to the Florida Keys also. (laughs) But um, once I got there, it was fantastic. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think those are primarily the, the underbelly of travel writing relates to flight situation. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think most of flights or hotels or like Airbnbs, um, mm, I think are, are mm-hmm. the bulk of my issues as well. But if we ever go on a trip together, we'll both get aisle seats because I agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, Across the aisle from each other. Yes, yes, yes. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I just need to go to the bathroom too often. I think where yeah. if I'm in a, if I'm in a middle, I haven't been in a middle seat in a long time, thankfully, I, I, I book it well enough mm-hmm. in advance usually to mm-hmm. to avoid that. But yeah, like there's been a couple times I'm in the eye or the window, and I'm just like same same sort of mental math where I'll see I'm like okay, mm-hmm. it's like an hour. Can I hold this or do I need to like right. shove <laughs> these people out of the way immediately? Right. And then you'll get to the point where it's like at 12 minutes and you're like looking you're like okay i've got yeah. the watch and then it'll like go up again because uh, like they'll need to like circle while another plane lands yes. or something. it's just ugh, yes chaos yes <laughs> i am a water drinker i drink lots and lots of water and i i'm fairly sure i was quite dehydrated on that head <laughs> back where i had that window seat because i was just like nope i i'm not, i can't get in and out here so i'm just not going to hydrate myself. And that's not always the best solution either. So that's a lose-lose. So you've alluded to this. I don't think you said it in your elevator pitch, but you're also the owner of PR by the book. Yes. So you yes. have uh, two jobs that you're you're working mm-hmm. at once. How do you balance both of these things? So um, I I find myself working seven days a week for the most part because I'm passionate about both of them, and I will say Texas Lifestyle Magazine is what I would refer to as the side hustle. So uh, PR by the Book celebrates 21 years in October. Ooh, congrats. And old enough to you. Old enough to drink now. <laughs> that's right. I'm envisioning this logo that's like, cheers. Um, so that is a very, very busy job and requires – a minimum of 40 hours a week of my time. And so my Texas Lifestyle Magazine work, I end up working evenings and weekends, but I enjoy it so much and it's so fun. And I just love the storytelling aspect of it that um, it, it's fine. It doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't seem like work when you're really enjoying what you do. And with Texas Lifestyle Magazine, uh, I mentioned I'm a, a connector I am a travel contributor to quite a few TV stations around the state of Texas. And so I will go and do travel segments for them um, throughout the year. And I really enjoy that, too, because like we talked about earlier, my path when I was in college was I wanted to go into TV broadcasting. So that's just in my blood. 
You know, I just, I love that. So I really feel like I have the best of both worlds because I'm on the media side of things. I'm doing, um, you know, online and digital media, and I'm also doing the TV segments. Um, prior to COVID, I was the voice of the weekend trip tip on Texas Standard NPR show for five years. So I got to try out radio. And um, and then on the flip side of that, I get to promote books and and we're pitching media outlets, you know, in that job. And I I always say that I feel like because I sit on both sides of that fence, one makes me better at the other and vice versa. So I think I am a better publicist because I see media pitches every day. You know, I'm pitched. I get probably about 100 emails a day in my Texas Lifestyle Magazine inbox. And so I see what comes through and I see what catches my attention. And I know how much time we have as publicists to catch someone's attention with an email. And, um, and, and, I, and I think that because I'm on the PR side, I'm also very kind and nice as a journalist. I read every single email, not word for word, but I'll read the first, you know, I open up every single email and I read the first part of it. And, you know, I, I forward it to a team member if it's not something I'm using or if it's just not a fit, I'll delete it. But I, I feel like I am, I am a kinder journalist because I'm also a publicist. I, th yeah, I, I think I can always tell when I, <laughs> like with those interactions because yeah like you you've seen it from both sides and it's like oh okay mm -hmm. i this would be nice to to at least like mm -hmm. yeah at least read it and not just like immediately like okay throw in the trash i like to think i'm the same way i i also went to school for broadcast journalism so uh here i am now as, with a podcast so I, that's clearly what they were teaching yeah. us back in the, in the two, <laughs> mid 2000s of where i <laughs> you know, where you were ahead of your time. Tried to be, tried to be. Do you have a uh, TV and or radio voice when you're doing your yeah. appearances? Oh, <laughs> that's so funny because my 16 year old son says, um, I have a fake voice. <laughs> but, and he started saying that when he was much younger. So I started, let's see. Um, so I did the weekend trip tip for five years, which means I started that in 2015. So eight years ago, so he would have been eight when I started doing that. And and we, you know, he would hear the segment because I would play the segment and he would say, mom, that's your fake voice. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. But when you're broadcasting, you definitely have to enunciate mm -hmm. and you have to um, have energy in your voice. And so I don't think so. I'm a loud talker by nature. So my family also says that I'm talking loud all the time. So I think that runs in my family. But uh, I, I don't know. And I and I would say that when I'm doing the TV segments, they're so short. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're anywhere from three minutes, the shortest, to if I get a really long segment, I might have seven minutes. For the segment. So I'm really trying to get a lot of travel information in in a short amount of time as I go into each one, just knowing my highlights of each place that I'm going to be talking about. So I'm just trying to get it all in. 
So I don't know if that that uh, plays into having a, a different voice, a different cadence. But um, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, now that we've chatted, I'll I'll watch uh, your next TV appearance and be like, okay. That sounds fake, or maybe yeah. it'll be it'll be flawless. <laughs> I I found when I was uh, doing it, depending on how many times I had to do the stand up, I think that's what would affect. It. Like if it was like one or two, it was like piece of cake. But th- there's one in particular that I remember where I was basically just interviewing tailgaters before a game, and my stand up was saying my line and then turning and throwing a cornhole, and I I shot it like twenty <laughs> times to try and get one where I made it. Which oh, normally, uh, I, I'd like to think I'm a decent cornhole player at least, but uh-huh. with the cameras rolling, I was a terrible cornhole player and ultimately just went with one where I got very close and like you hear some screams in the background like, ah, so close, but couldn't get one where I made it. And I think that one, I, I probably sound more exasperated than I normally do. Probably so. I would imagine. And you're a voiceover artist, right? I dabble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that is that sounds super challenging to me um, to either do something really long um, or something very short that has to be very animated and and you have to tell it all through your voice. I think that would be challenging. So, um, I mean, I haven't ever done voiceover work, but I'm just imagining. I mean, obviously, I'm very tied into kind of audiobooks and things of that sort. And so um, I think that would definitely be a challenging role. Yeah, it's it's fun, though. I still remember one of my first voiceover assignments ever was to do a, a series of trainings on asbestos safety. Oh. And the, <laughs> the brief for it even said, like, we know this is so boring. Like, just try to make it <laughs> as animated as you can, which I, I am, admire their transparency <laughs> with it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so that's a, a little, great story. A little different than like a, you know, a character that's um, getting like beaten up or something. And that's, which mm-hmm. I really haven't had to do that much of that. But I think that's a good, um, I, I did have to do voices for a, like an online computer game one time where there's just like all these characters. So mine was like five lines and, you know, nothing, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it because I, I was reading like some of the other character descriptions and like there's some that are like, getting punched or like killed and yeah. it's like that's right. that's half the battles you have to have like the like oops, uh, like the different the different sound right hit and i'm like right. i don't know if i'm hit enough in regular life. like i have to think <laughs> of like stubbing my toe or something I'm like, oh like that channel that <laughs> yeah because you don't want somebody actually playing it out in real life like punch me in the stomach yeah. so i can get this just right <laughs> asmr in a very new way <laughs> so besides hiring your company besides hiring pr by the book what's a tip you'd give an author who's looking to market their work we talk about this a lot we actually have kind of a diy offering for authors it's called author to influencer accelerator and uh we coach people who can't afford to hire a publicist um on what they can do themselves and there's quite a bit. Um, and, and a lot of them do, you know, it's overwhelmed because there's so much out there. And that's what Author to Influencer was designed to help people with, too, is just ha- be that concierge of sort to, you know, go down this path and then go down this path and 
try this out. And so we give a lot of advice through that program. A couple of things that come up most often just related to that overwhelm is to exercise the one thing philosophy. So my friend Jay Papazan um, was the co-author of The One Thing. And that came out years ago and it's been a bestseller. But it's really about narrowing it down to, okay, today, what what is my one thing I'm doing today? And we really encourage our authors to model that because Authors need to be thinking about their social media platforms. They need to be thinking about their potential, potentially like a newsletter or, you know, something coming from an email list. They need to be outreaching. Uh, sometimes they're outreaching for speaking engagements. Sometimes they're handling their own press outreach. And so there's all these plates spinning in the air. And, and they're all important, maybe not equally important, but they're all important. And so I just encourage authors to have a mind of continuing education. I'm huge into continuing. Like I, I mentioned the webinar this yeah. morning, slow travel. Um, I love listening to webinars and learning and getting, and I find that sometimes it's not so much what's said in the webinar, but the idea that it sparks in my brain while I'm listening and I'll just take voracious notes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I encourage authors to be soaking up the education that's out there. You know, the way to publicize a book changes so drastically year to year. I mean, look at book talk. I mean, book talk on TikTok was not a thing yeah. about three years ago. Um, and so now it's huge for, for novelists and, you know, um, Colleen Hoover is a, a good example of that. She's an author here in Texas and she'd been writing for years and years and years. And a lot of people hadn't discovered her until she went crazy viral on TikTok. And then people like me heard about her. I, I hadn't heard about her books before then. So people... Sometimes we'll say, oh, I'm just so tired of social media and I certainly don't want to get on TikTok and I don't even understand Instagram. And and I would just say, I, I also tell them, you don't have to be on all the platforms. Find one or two that you feel comfortable with and it's quality over quantity. So, you know, get on those, that one or two platforms that you feel good about and, and just create really good content on those platforms. Don't, don't get overwhelmed with that. So I know it's a lot, it's a lot of answers to that one question, but there's a lot for authors to be doing and learning. And, um, and, you know, we have people in the author to influencer program that have been in there since the beginning and it launched in January, 2020. So, um, we, we try to keep educating them and, and giving them good advice. Uh, what one of our members just posted today, it has a private Facebook group component, and she just posted today that it was because of the Author to Influencer program that she knew how to navigate um, the right steps getting her ISBN for her book because a lot of people are self-publishing these days. So it's good to get that feedback that, you know, people would be just searching all over the internet um, for these things versus finding them 
in one location in that accelerator program. Yeah, I think that segues nicely too into a question you wish you were asked more frequently. We're talking about all these book resources, but there's also lots of great Texas resources out there. So how can I keep up with all that makes living great in the Lone Star State? Absolutely. So texaslifestylemag.com is where Texas Lifestyle Magazine lives. And that is our our slogan, everything that makes living great in the Lone Star State. So we don't, we're not um, competing with other unsaid magazines that are focused on maybe like politics and, um, and just religion or, you know, things that people argue about. We get to talk about travel and food and wine and entertainment and, you know, the things that make living fun. So, um, yeah, that's where it's at. TexasLifestyleMag.com. We are on uh, quite a few of the social media networks, uh, platforms, and we have a newsletter that people can subscribe to for free, where twice a month we send out a newsletter that highlights our favorite articles of of that two-week period. And you're just segueing so nicely into all the questions because that's our top three, are the top three articles to read on Texas Lifestyle Mag. Yeah. So I already gave you a preview of one of them earlier when I talked about Santa Barbara. So uh, that is a great one. The The three that I picked are all travel that I've written, <laughs> but I'm not the only writer. So <laughs> that's kind of unfair. But um, Santa Barbara is on there. Um, one that just came up this week is uh, based in St. Bart, which is considered the French Indies. And it's um, Hotel Barrier. Lake Carl Gustav. And I say it is as fabulous as the name is long. <laughs> so uh, that one is actually a good example of slow travel because that is one of the only trips I've done this year where I didn't have an itinerary. I literally just showed up at the hotel and spent three nights reading books and looking at the view and enjoying the food. So um, that would be my second. And then um, the third one I wanted to mention, I discovered it was probably my first trip of the year in 2023, and it's called Rancho La Puerta, and it's in Mexico, but it's right across the border from San Diego. So we actually flew into San Diego, and and there's a shuttle bus that goes back and forth. But it is a fabulous wellness resort, and I'm kind of um an eternal student of wellness and health. And so I just really loved it. You can be as busy or relaxed as you want to be. And uh, so, yeah, I try to throw in lots of different types of travel in my travel writing. So um, like I just said, there's uh, those are three very, very different types of trips. And, you know, some trips are better suited to solo travel or travel with a partner or travel with girlfriends, or travel with a family. Um, so there's lots of different types of trips, and we try to cover lots of different locations and styles of travel. Um, and right now, one thing I'm researching is um, new places that are around Texas for family reunions. Oh, I like that. I like that. Do we? Can we get a sneak peek? Is there one one spot that you want to shout out? Well, I can tell you one that I have been to. Um, it's called Medina High Point Resort. And Medina is in the hill country. It's the apple capital of Texas. 
And uh, it's uh, a really neat spot that is really fantastic for family reunions. So I have actually experienced that with the family reunion and I would highly recommend it. But yeah, I'm I'm out there doing my research to find some uncovered jewels that we've not um, experienced and told our readers about. So that's my my current research project. I love it. Well, we'll look forward to the article coming out. In the meantime, if people want to learn more about you or check out more of your work, where can they find you? So TexasLifestyleMag.com. I am also on, uh, well, I would prefer you to follow Texas Lifestyle Magazine on Instagram because um, we as a group are much more active than I am on my own personal Instagram. And uh, and then you can catch some of the different TV segments if you're in Texas. You can give your own Instagram a shout out too. It's okay. <laughs> it's Flatlands oh. with two T's, like my last name. Oh, that's very good. I do love a yeah. good a good pun. I uh, it's uh I I claimed that way way back in the early days of Instagram. <laughs> I can't even tell you what year it was. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, this was so much fun. I feel like I have a, a, like lots of reading to check out now, and just all these all these great things that I want to explore. Thank you again for taking the time to chat. Oh, it was so fun! Thanks for having me on. And of course, we have to end with a corny joke. As we always do. You know, I write my name in cursive all the time. It's my signature move. Get after it today, people. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good one to end with right there. Thank you. Thank you. Mic drop. (laughs) Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Ooh.